welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by stand-up 9-11 social media influencer Ryan DeSoma. Ryan has been off of the podcast circuit. He has had his accounts deleted, so he has not been out in internet land the way he was when he was rocking stand-up 9-11. So it's my great honor to be part of Ryan's entry back into the podcast fold. 
I met Ryan at a health freedom summit in Arizona, and we had a bajillion things to talk about and had so much fun talking, but it was specifically his perspective on the shape of the planet <laughs> that had me um, really insistent that he come on the podcast and drop in with you and me and all of us. Before we dive into today's super fun conversation, I'm reminding you and thanking you for clicking the subscribe button for liking, sharing, commenting. I'm also going to nudge you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. Um, it is for sure the best way to stay in my loop. Uh, I just actually got some emails today from folks saying, you were in Arizona, how come I didn't know about it? I would have come to see you at your event. And I was like, well, I sent out a newsletter. <laughs> the best way for you to know when I'm doing live events, when I have a new course, a new webinar, a new book, um, is to be on that newsletter. I'm also letting you know that uh, my new book, The Language of Betterarchy, is on sale now in print, in electronic, and in audio versions narrated by yours truly. I am prepping to do a little pre-sale for my first ever pop propaganda digital course, which will be ready um, by the first of the year. But if you're wanting to get in on those holiday discounts, um, again, sign up for my newsletter and you can um, track that uh, pre-sale offering. Last piece is Ryan and I had a lot of tech interference during this conversation. Um, I absolutely think it was personal. I absolutely think it was targeted. I absolutely think it's because Ryan um, has not only had six accounts deleted, but speaks so intelligently and in such a grounded way about the shape of the planet. So just letting you know ahead of time, Ryan and I were very tenacious um, in keeping the conversation going, in picking it up after bits and pieces cut out every time Ryan got kicked off, which was a number of times, um, he diligently came back on. So apologies ahead of time for um, the annoying glitches and thank you so much for your patience with them and for letting them roll off your back like the evolved awakened duck that you are because this is a substance over style podcast. What we're talking about is far too important to let the thought police uh, ruin the conversation with a couple little glitches. That does it for housekeeping. So buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with Ryan DeSoma. As you know, I was super excited to have you on to talk about the whole shape of the earth conversation that gets people's panties in such a bunch. Huh. Before we do that, I want to jump into your background. Um, you had a pretty massive platform, and I'd love to know a little bit about how that started, what happened to it, where you're at now, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um... I guess where it started from, I was, I think I was 19 years old, maybe 20. And, you know, I just kind of got tired of the whole like rhetoric of you need to go to college, you need to work a job, you know, the kind of nine to five type thing that's pushed on to everybody. 
And it was either like go to college, join the military, go down one of these paths. And uh, 9-11 was kind of like one of the biggest factors of my life being from New Jersey in the New York area and watching that happen, having a construction background as well. And anybody in construction, demolition is your favorite aspect of it. So you, you learn about demolition and you pay attention to how buildings fall and whatnot. So when I saw that happen, it was making me question, like, why are we going to war with all these countries? Why, why did it seem like everything was kind of like designed after 9-11 to force people to join the military because they crashed the economy? They've had all these different things that kind of happened um, right before we started, like, going to all these different countries. So I started asking military friends, people in private security, and I just started asking questions about 9-11. Uh, I know a United States Air Marshal. Um, who, you know, works with NORAD, which is like a highway system in the skies. They're essentially a security system where anytime a plane goes off route, they're told to get back onto course or whatever. And on that day, all these planes went missing and so on and so forth with 9-11. And um, it kind of got in my head like, yeah, something just doesn't make sense about this. So I started researching it. And you just kind of go down the rabbit hole. Um, once you start on one subject, it just doesn't stop. So 9-11 was my start. I saw, especially in 2010, 2011, not a lot of people were using social media in that manner as far as like raising awareness, sharing information. It was more of connecting with friends from high school or whatever it is. So I started my Instagram account called Stand Up 9-11 in 10, 2010 or 2011. And for like four to five years, I was the largest account on Instagram. I was the first trucer awareness conscious account on Instagram. And I grew it to right around like 295,000 followers right before I was deleted. And that's including all forms of censorship, being shadow banned, people not being able to search my account, being banned from going live and all the different forms of censorship that I faced through um, like 10 years of running that account, I still was able to grow it to 295,000 followers. And um, in 2014, I started events called Meeting of the Minds. And I did that for about four or five years. I went to like eight countries, 30 cities, did a couple hundred events. And it's called Meeting of the Minds, a conscious networking event. So it was bringing all different parts of the community together, whether it was a spiritual, vegan, holistic, plant-based, uh, regenerative farming, conspiracy, meditation, breastwork, whatever, all the different aspects to kind of learning and growing as an individual. We all got together and had a really good time, which mentioning that I am planning a new event, which I haven't done events in three years, but I am working on an event. I'll probably do it in either January or February. Awesome. There's so much there. So when so 9-11 happened and your spidey sense was like, this doesn't seem right. And you dove into research. So when you dove into that research, like, did it shatter your worldview? Did it freak out your family that you were starting to question consensus reality? Like, what were those parts like? Uh, it's like a mixture of everything. Um... As a kid growing up, I, I kind of had an idea like the world was corrupt and everything just from my background where I grew up. I dealt with the court system through a divorce with my mom and dad and stuff. And I just saw how like, you know, it's not really just with all that. And um, 
I don't know, through school, I was always the rebel. I was always the kid that got in a lot of trouble. I purposely caused a lot of trouble in school just because I felt like I wasn't really learning anything there. A lot of stuff was common sense. A lot of stuff was like just regurgitated over and over. Like how many times do you have to learn about Romeo and Juliet or calculus or something that you're never going to use in the real world? So I was like in junior high school. My mom laughs at it now, but she definitely was frustrated raising me. But I think from seventh grade to my senior year, made every English cry and run out of the room. It was like a goal of mine just to piss them off and get them out of the room. And then the class would be ours for the students to have fun. So I was a pretty bad kid, very rebellious. Um, <laughs> and um, um, wait, so I, it, it, the reception uh, got garbled a little bit. So your goal was to get the teacher to leave the room? Yeah, I mean, it was, I was I was being a, a very bad kid. Uh, I was just trying to piss them off and get them to leave, essentially, so we could just have fun in, in the classroom. Um, what tactics did you use? I would just talk about what they were teaching us and how pointless it was. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was like, when are we going to use Romeo and Juliet? Or like, I'm not against cursive writing, but... I don't know the last time I've ever wrote in cursive other than signing my name. Um, just a lot of stuff like math class, like after algebra one or maybe even algebra two, you really don't use any of that in your day to day life. Um, even like you would have to be an engineer or something to like actually utilize that. Um, so there's just a lot of different things that really bother. Knitters actually use algebra, but okay. you strike me as a knitter. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've definitely done that. I, I actually had a sewing class before, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that seems valuable. You know, I just um, finished this podcast series called The Hidden Life is Best, and he breaks down the scam that is William Shakespeare slash Francis Bacon. And he explains that it's all um, like mind control and that that's why we're all forced to study Shakespeare, which from his perspective, isn't really that great. Yeah, no, it's, it's all pointless. And it's, yeah, it's like a manipulation of information. It's making us just look at like a certain period of time and understanding one aspect of language when it's all different aspects to it. And yeah, I mean, yeah, school drove me nuts. Uh, half of my day, I went to trade schools. And that's why when I was at like my regular school, high school, junior high, I, I just didn't pay attention and I caused a lot of issues. But the other half of my day, it was like woodworking, welding, electrical, plumbing. I went to a technical school. So I learned a lot of trades when I was in junior high and high school. And then college i went to heavy equipment diesel repair and operating i also went to school for general business as well <clears throat> and i learned all these trades and i didn't realize it until later in life especially when i was like a, a social media influencer whatever the hell we're labeled as and stuff and i'm networking and working with all these people and realizing that a lot of these people they're smart in aspects of life but if you put a hammer or a tool or ask them to figure out how to build or build shelter, whatever it is, they have no idea, you know, what they're talking about. And I'm just like, well, it's one thing to raise awareness and t tell the world, talk to whoever it is about what's going on in the world. But my motto has always been, be the change you wish to see in the world. It's always been in my bio for 13 years. 
And um, it's just something that I, I have like uh, principles on. It's why my name's Stand Up 9-11. It's really Stand Up and 9-11. I'm a stand up individual. I feel like I do a lot of self-reflection and work on myself and I want to grow and become a better person. And at the same time, if I'm going to be a quote unquote leader in the community or just somebody that's going to be voicing my opinion, I also want to be able to provide or to protect or to show skills that we can actually use to get away from the matrix, get away from the system, get away from all that. So for the last three years, I was homesteading. I had a, a 3,600 square foot garden. Um, I was foraging for mushrooms and I was living on 200 acres. It was a beautiful experience. And I was growing a lot of food and that again gave me another life ex like experience where i was like wow all the social media stuff it's powerful it's beautiful there's definitely a mass awakening taking place because a lot of people are voicing their opinion but then at a certain point you're also like well we have to put action behind our words we can't just sit here and talk about all this stuff and then we're buying gmos and chemicals and drinking or smoking or whatever our, our toxic habits are and stuff we have to like actually put in action on how to boycott or how to become healthier whatever you know the situation is so that's kind of where my mindset is always at is like what can i do as an individual to become a better person or you know to get further away from the matrix become debt free whatever it is yeah i appreciate you leading the way for all of us because i i know this social media thing is not sustainable like it's just a momentary blip of service um do you have any idea like why what do you think the straw was that got you ultimately deleted it was like there so there's been phases through social media where they really censor certain topics uh, and then they delete a lot of people or they ban whatever it is. And then that information is then I think they reconstruct the algorithm. So if you go to search that subject, instead of finding what you're researching, it will come up with debunking or misinformation type stuff. They put that up. like on the front of the algorithm, which the subject that we'll be talking about flat earth from, can you hear me still? Yeah, it, it bounced back. Okay, cool. okay. Um, so like the subject that we're gonna be talking about flat earth from 2015 to 2000, I think 2018, it was the most Googled search, but it was also the most censored um, thing on the internet. I knew tons of like flat earth accounts that that's all they dedicated their account to that were deleted away from the internet or are demonetized from YouTube or all their videos were taken down from YouTube. And there's clips from our government because they literally were talking about on government level to YouTube is that you're allowing this information on your platform and why aren't you taking it down? I forget like how they worded it exactly, but there's literally like videos online of them talking about it. And essentially what they did is, um, they they worked on the algorithms is that's pretty much the whole speech that this lady gave that was representing YouTube and in front of Congress and whatnot and saying that we're getting our algorithms in order so we can essentially censor people and promote different uh, content you know, searching like, you know, one year time lapse of the stars or whatever somebody would research for flat earth. It would just show all this other CGI or whatever they want to promote. Um, so for me, I talked about 
pretty much everything. Like I, I tried to touch on as many topics as I possibly could. I exposed false flag attacks, crisis actors, inside job, how the government does offshore accounting. I talked about, you know, even health and growing your own food and, and all different subjects. COVID was the one that ultimately got me deleted. But it was like an orchestrated event that day because when I got deleted um, and I'm not necessarily a fan of this individual, but Robert F. Kennedy got deleted. Alex Zek got deleted. And there was like 20 to 30 people that I just personally knew with large accounts, 20, 30, 50, 70,000 followers, whatever it was, where we were all deleted the same day, pretty much at the same time. It was an orchestrated event. And um they deleted me six times now. So I've come back and then they delete me and come back and they delete me. And I'm considering making a little, a little push to come back again, but just with different intentions and whatnot. I'm impressed by your tenacity um, to be deleted six times and still consider coming back because it takes so much work to build your followers, to build your account. Is there like, so given that it was a coordinated attack, was there any talk about any sort of like class action suit recourse? Like it just seems like they keep getting away with this over and over and over again. And none of us have figured out the leg to stand on to hold them accountable. I've never looked into it personally, but I've heard that there is like a, claw, uh, a class action suit against Instagram, but I never looked into it. And I don't really know what's going on with it. Uh, I, I ultimately, like, obviously, I believe in freedom of speech and, and such, but we're on their platform and stuff. It's a private business, or I think it's a private business. Actually, I think they're publicly traded, but either way, it's on their platform, and they have all their different loopholes with, um, what is it called? Because that's how they delete me and everybody, is they say you, um, what's it called? Like, when you sign up, the privacy stuff. They say, I know they say for me, like I always get in trouble for violating the user agreement and I'm always right. Yeah. right to the part in the user agreement that I violated and show me what part of my content violated it. And that's where, you know, the AI bot will tap out of the exchange. Yeah. If I even get yeah. that far. Yeah, that's, that's what they always said to me too. And it's just annoying because they update them, they change it, they, they lie about it. And at the end of the day, like, I'm just talking about information, whether it's true or not. Delete it. The funny thing is, like, they don't delete people for sharing false information, essentially, um, at least in our perspective of things, we're sharing the truth or true information. But people are sharing information that, you know, I guess goes against science and biology and things along that lines and stuff. That information is perfectly fine, you know, but if you start talking about stuff that I guess brings unity, makes you become very aware of your actions and your thoughts and exposes and brings light to what they're doing, they're like, no, we can't have this. And it's like, it sucks being deleted, but at the same time, it just kind of proves the point of everything that I was talking about or that the community is talking about. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I agree, it is a private corporation, they could do whatever they want, but they're, they're lying in terms of their user agreement, they're pretending like we have reach and pretending like they don't shadow ban. You know, I had a post taken yeah. down for medical misinformation, which was a quote from Mickey Willis about 
uh, a book that I wrote a few years ago. It was like, there was nothing medical listed. And now because customer service has been completely destroyed, there's no one to even talk to. So it's like, yes, they're a private corporation and they're also not playing fair on any level. Yeah, I agree. I mean, ultimately they expose themselves. Every action that they take, how they handle situations, it, they end up exposing themselves. And it's also why so many people are awake and conscious now because 13 years ago, I know a lot of people like to say, I've been awake for 10 years or I've been awake for 15 years. And maybe you're not on social media and you're, you're awake to a certain level and stuff. But like, at least on the social media, like plat platform, not a lot of people are talking about this stuff. And when I started, even with 9-11, people were sending me death threats. They hated me. They, they were saying I'm anti-America, all the stuff, because you have patriotism and nationalism and a lot of people are under the mindset that our government wouldn't kill ourselves or, you know, kill ourselves to go to war, you know, all the different, you know, problem reaction solution scenarios that they do. And I, I dealt with a lot of hate and where I see the community now is like, it's all, it's like night and day difference. Everybody can talk about pretty much everything now and you're pretty much good. I mean, I'm, I'm actually shocked how many people are talking about the Israel Palestine thing now and a lot of people act like this is something new but realistically israel has been doing the same tactics for at least the last 20 30 years possibly even longer but like at least from my knowledge and it's documented and shown from journalists in the area that they've been they've been kicking people out of the house chemical warfare they've been doing all this stuff for the last like 20 30 years and stuff i'm, I'm happy to a certain extent like that it's getting brought to light. I'm not happy that it's actually happening. It's sad and disgusting that all that takes place, but it's crazy how many people are calling this out. I'll just say real quick, like they're, they're still trying to divide us with the whole like Jewish and Muslim type thing. And it's like, people need to learn about Zionists and secret societies and occults that have been manipulating and orchestrating all of these different events. It has nothing to do with Jewish people. Jewish people aren't Zionists, but Zionists are Jews. And that's where a lot of them, a lot of the manipulation comes from. I'm happy that you brought that up because I think that's like a, you know, I've been in the quote unquote conspiracy community for over 20 years. So I'm used to like, there's a pretty prominent anti-Semitism in that community and always has been, you know, when I moved all my videos off of YouTube in 2020 over to BitChute, every video I posted was like, shut up, Kike, shut up, you stupid Jew. And I just got used to it. Like, I'm not really phased, but it also seems like a giant scam in terms of confusing Judaism with Zionism, confusing Hazarians and Ashkenazis with actual Jews, right? So there's so much smoke and mirrors and fog of war. That's why, like, when this happened, I'm like, I'm not even going to open my mouth because none of us know what's going on. There's so many psyops within the Israel thing um, yeah. that I think anyone who thinks they understand it, I'm dubious. Yeah, there's, I, I'm, I don't want to speak too much on it, but there's a lot of information that kind of shows what's been going on, where it all comes from, even from like a biblical perspective and stuff and breaks down the literature and the brothers of Judah and all the different things. And that information is out there. It's just that some people read this book and some people read this book and some people the background and so on and so forth. So a lot of the information gets kind of mixed or people only want to believe what they're told or, you know, where, where they come from. 
But I do think there is an ultimate truth to all this information. It's just been manipulated. And talking about Zionists, getting into the subject of flat Earth, the people who said, you know, the sun is 93 million miles away and the moon is this far away and that there's curvature and all these different things all literally came from from Jesuits, Freemasons and Zionists. Literally all of the main components, people behind it are all from those same secret societies. So it's like when people ask about flat earth and stuff, they're like, how how do they lie about it? How do they get away with it? I'm like, well, how, how did they 9-11, how did they orchestrate Pearl Harbor or the Titanic or what's going on in Israel and Palestine or World War One and World War Two and all these other conflicts? It just happens to be that the people who own infrastructure, the, the railroad systems and metals and the copper and the mining and the banking system and all of like the real material materialistic aspects of our society, they all come from like the same lineage and occult backgrounds and stuff. And yeah, it kind of makes sense. If you can say that everything's like a lie on TV or the media lies about everything, well, who, who owns the media? Who funds the media and stuff? And then you look into NASA and stuff. A lot of people like, I would say a lot of people don't believe in the moon landing. Even if they believe the Earth is a sphere or they don't know wherever they stand on it, a lot of people are kind of on the same page. We're like, oh, we never really landed on the moon and stuff. So if, even from that topic you could start researching and going down rabbit holes that kind of lead you to all the other psyops and lies about everything else yeah um yeah i'm really interested to learn more about the whole occult background on on the shape of the earth so for me it first popped into my consciousness after whatever year it was that David Wolf was part of a flat earth panel at lightning in a bottle. And after that festival, everyone in the community was talking about it. And I, from the space of my indoctrination and mind control thought, oh, that's ridiculous. I'm sure it was just like a thought experiment. And I kind of threw it away. And I think that that's, you know, for me on my own path, and I never say I'm awake because I'm not done, you know, like I'm still, unraveling all of my indoctrination. I was born in the States. I was born into, you know, however many psyops. So it's an ongoing process. And then someone sent me a video in 2020 that broke down all of the realms. And I watched it and I thought that actually makes sense. Like that, I could see that. And then I, I just had to get real with myself as far as like, well, I understand Project Paperclip. I understand that NASA is not what they say it is. I understand that most of what I've been taught is a lie. So why would I believe them when they're telling me the earth is spherical? And so for me personally, I just always sit with, I don't know. I don't know how I would know. Like I don't have the scientific knowledge. I haven't left the planet, but I do find it interesting how bunged up people get about it. Right. And how now it's become like the kind of go to way for the mainstream media to um, demonize and discount anyone who who sways off of consensus reality by just accusing them of being a flat earther. So break it down how like you started to avail yourself to this theory and help catch us up to speed. Uh, 2015, when it was brought to my attention, I started researching it from there. And um, at first, like kind of like your initial reaction, and I think a lot of like you think it's bullshit, you think it's far fetched. You're just like, how would they lie about something on such a grand scale like this? And you know, just all the different aspects. So 
you start kind of just trying to question and essentially I, like I like to say the quickest way to understand a flat earth theory is try to debunk it. Just whatever angle point you want to start at, just try to debunk it and it will just kind of lead you down this rabbit hole. So the biggest things like curvature, gravity, um, sunlight, moonlight, as far as like how it actually interacts with us, how far these bodies, these celestial bodies are, what are these bodies, which is still kind of unknown and people are still trying to figure it out to this day. Um, and for me, you know, my name's Ryan and it was named after like Orion, the constellations. And it's something that I always paid attention to, especially in Northern America. We always see the Orion's belt, no matter are at pretty much a certain angle no matter where you are in our area of the continent and i was like how is it that we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour while we're orbiting around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour and then the sun is traveling in space at like 666,000 miles an hour it's kind of weird that these these sixes and all of these different equations right. um and why is it that we always just see the same constellations and I, i'm I would like to say I'm a pretty spiritual person. I don't necessarily represent myself that way, but I really pay attention to astrology and cosmology and, and everything. And um, I'm just like, why is it or how is it that we're traveling through space? It would be kind of rational to think that we'd experience different energy, see different constellations and stuff. And how is it when you look at a one-year time lapse, like literally everybody could just look this up. Um, when you look up a one-year time lapse of the stars, they make a of us it doesn't matter where you are you could be in brazil sweden london australia america it doesn't matter where you are on the planet it makes a, a perfect circle above us and then if you look at the sun and the moon in a one-year time lapse they make a figure eight but one of the like spirals is a little bigger than the other but it's still a figure eight and the and the if the sun is like in the smaller spiral the moon is in the bigger spiral it's reversed for each one of them and then when they cross, which they cross a couple times a year, we get the, the, the solar and lunar eclipses and stuff. And um, so studying about like ancient Egypt and Mayans and Aztecs and all this, you have the pyramids. Well, Orion's belt aligns with the pyramids at a certain time of the year. Every year it aligns right above them. If we ever turned on our access, just the smallest percentage, like they say we do, the Earth every so often changes its access, the, the stars would not align with the pyramids. It would be so far off at that, that measurement, that distance and stuff, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible. But when you look into the flat Earth theory, it says that we're stationary and everything moves above us. And... It's not, I don't even want to say the flat earth theory because the Torah, the Bible has like 250 verses of a flat stationary planet firmament. The Quran talks about this, all these different like scriptures and gospels and so on talk about that we're a stationary planet. And if you look at like the Incas and Mayans and Hebrew and Aztec and Egyptian and all these other civilizations that came before us, and you look at how they depicted Earth, it's all very, very similar. There's some sort of firmament, flat land, a plane. They call it a planet, but really it's a plane. They just added a T to that. And uh, we don't really necessarily know what's below us. The furthest hole that's ever been dug by uh, mankind is like 7.8 miles. 
essentially eight miles down is as far as we've ever gone. And then I think it was like 20 years after that or whatever it was, then they're like, oh, there's a core to the earth and it goes 4,000 miles down, but we've only gone 7.8 miles. So how do they know that it goes 4,000 miles down? And just recently for all the people who like believe in science or scientism, as I like to call it, they just said that the core of the earth stopped spinning and now is spinning in the opposite direction. There's literally no scientific evidence or proof of any of that information, but that's what all the scientists say now and stuff. And it's just to kind of, I think, really distract people, disconnect them from their own senses and what they see and experience. That's another like aspect to flat earth is like, they're disconnecting from ourselves. Like, we don't believe in what we experience, what we see. We look at the moon and we're told that it's 238,000 miles away, but we could get a camera and zoom in on a pebble on the on the surface or a crater on the on the surface and stuff. And when you look at the sun, especially when it's behind clouds and you can actually look at it, it's really not all that big, but we're told that it's so far away and so big. And the people who who told us that happen to be Freemasons and Jesuits and, you know, part of this occult stuff. A lot of this information also came out like 300 years before an airplane was ever invented. They said the Earth was a spinning ball 300 years before the Wright brothers ever invented an airplane. So it's like, okay, how the hell do you know it's spherical? You could look into like just uh, amateur testing, a rocket, I want to say it was like 76 miles up, 72 miles up. He sent the rocket up and you can find the YouTube video. It's an uninterrupted video, which is also important to understand because when you watch not NASA or any of the SpaceX clips or whatever, they cut uh, clips all the time and then they just all put it all together. This is an uninterrupted clip of going 76 miles up and eventually it stops and hits something and you, it just all the momentum just stops like literally out of nowhere and there's declassified military or government operations one of them you mentioned operation um paperclip or actually sorry you mentioned paperclip but um it's called operation fishbowl and Pause for technical difficulties. Hopefully Ryan will be back with us any second. Notice how this always happens when we're talking about the things that they don't want us talking about. <laughs> Oh, and there he goes. Well, pause for Ryan's return tribe. Thanks for um, rolling with us. This We know that this is this type of fuckery always happens with the raciest of topics. So stand by. Hopefully he'll be right back. Welcome back. I have no idea what happened, but I got kicked. <laughs> Anytime I talk about anything racy, Zoom gets really sketchy like this. Go figure. It's the algorithm. They're hearing all these keywords and yeah. yeah. The last part I heard before it got frozen um, was uh, 
you said operation it wasn't snow globe but something like that oh uh, yeah so it's called operation um fishbowl and there's another operation it was in 1962 called operation dominic and they fired missiles straight up and eventually it hits the firmament or it hits something you can tell that these these projectiles just stop and the way they explode is very similar to when they fire missiles into the ocean like the the repercussions or repercussions of it or whatever and stuff and it gets into like that as above so below that if there's waters above there's water below which is the oceans um so is the, the firmament is the firmament water there's water there i don't know if the firmament itself is water or if that's like an electric magnetic field essentially because ultimately this gets into like the subject of gravity gravity doesn't actually exist what exists is like density density uh buoyancy and uh, electric magnetism, vibrations, frequency, sound, so on and so forth like that. That's essentially what gravity is. So the theory of gravity, which again comes from a Jesuit Freemason, um, is talked about saying that it holds everything to the core of the earth, right? So if we're in North America right now, but it's saying that it's folding all of the oceans in Australia and all of Australia to the core of the earth and holding all of North America to the core of the earth. But yet a bee, a bird, a plane, a helium balloon, you know, all these different aspects can just be flying and floating and so on and so forth. How is it that they defy gravity when gravity's strong enough to hold a car, a bus, a building, uh, an entire ocean, a lake, a river, a rock, whatever it is to the core of its center and stuff. And it just, it gets into what density is, what buoyancy is and what electric magnetism. Cause like you can make things levitate just by using frequencies. It's called cymatics and stuff. And, and um, that's what, like what real science is, is like problem reaction solution. You can actually show experiments on how everything works. There's no experiment that shows gravity works. There's no, there's nothing that they can actually show you that what it is. It's based on an assumption that the sun is so big and so far away. But like I said, it's an assumption. They don't actually know how far the sun is. And when you actually just go down that like rabbit hole of researching the sun, there was a time where they said it was 3,000 miles away. Then there was another time they said it was like 300,000 miles away. And then from there, it went to 93 million miles away. It's like, okay, how? Where are you getting this information, this mathematical equation to say that it's that far away? And nothing shows that. Because like, if the sun was really 93 million miles away, like they say, sun rays would be completely... What's happening? Oh, he might be back. No. They really don't want us talking about this. They don't want well, us. An hour and a half. Can you hear okay. me? Yeah, you cut off a little bit um, on if the sun was really 300 million miles away. 93 million miles away. 93 million miles away. Okay, so yeah, for an example, if the sun was really 93 million miles away, I live in Phoenix. Everybody kind of knows Phoenix is a very hot desert city and stuff. But if you just drive two hours away, it's like a 20 to 30 degree difference in Flagstaff, Arizona and stuff. And it's higher elevation. So 
technical elevation, you would think that you're closer to the sun. It would be warmer than, you know, lower elevation and stuff. My point is that the sun's a lot smaller. It's a lot more local. And it's your your weather is more dependent on the actual environment in which you live in. Up north is a lot more trees. You're in higher and higher elevation. There's more humidity, more water, so on and so forth and stuff. And it's more based on that. There's not there's nothing that we experience or that can prove that the sun is 93 million miles away and stuff. And then they talk about that there's hot spots and things along that lines on Earth. It's like if there was a hot spot on Earth, we'd be in some serious trouble if there's a heat ray traveling 93 million miles away and just heating up a specific little spot on Earth and stuff. That has more to do with the sun being a lot more local. I know from my lived experience in New Mexico, there's no way the sun is that far away because I'm only like 7,500 feet elevation and it is so palpable how much closer we are to the sun and how the sun, you know, breaks down paint jobs on cars or people's skin. Like it's, it's so obvious. And I really like what you said about um, part of the PSYOP being to, um, to encourage us to deny our own lived experience and to instead defer to false authority. So, and I've also heard, like, I saw something about rainbows and how, like, rainbows wouldn't be curved if we weren't under some sort of domed something, like, that 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 would be physically impossible. So I've heard different versions of Flat Earth, and one I liken to, like, the AT&T logo Mm -hmm. of those realms that may or may not shape a sphere, because I also always come back to, like, we're 3D monkeys in meat suits who are so blinded by our limited senses. So if we think that like what we see with our senses or can measure translates to ontological reality outside of 3D reality, then we're more arrogant than I even, you know, than I already think we are. But then I also know there's all this stuff around Antarctica and these ancient maps that show up that make it seem like, you know, the other planets are here on this plane, just beyond the ice wall. So how do you understand it to be? So real quick, because you mentioned how we perceive things. We're very limited and we get, we get, um, it's very easy to like, what's it called? Uh, create like an illusion in front of our eyes and stuff with 2D and 3D objects. So like say a sunrise and a sunset, the, the path of the sun on how it travels we believe that there is a sunrise and a sunset, but realistically it's traveling above us and out of sight. And it looks like it's setting, but it's really just staying at the same elevation and just getting further away. An example is, is like if you're in a hotel room or a hotel lobby and you're looking down all the different doors, it looks like the ceiling eventually meets the horizon. Or if you're looking over the ocean, it looks like the sky eventually meets the ocean. But you know that if you were to travel out to where you're perceiving, that again, the sun or the the sky and the, the ocean would be separated. And again, you would look out towards the horizon and stuff. So a sunset and a sunrise, it doesn't exist. All it is is that the sun is traveling further out of sight and it makes it look like it is setting above us. And again, one-year time-lapse and daily time-lapse also show that. Um, also talking about perspective of things, um, 
What were you so going to say? Oh wait, so so you do believe that we are hurtling through space, water, something? No, I actually think the sun and the moon are local. They're they're like within the firmament or they have the capability of kind of going in and out of it. And that's why we get the different phases of the moon, like the crescent and the full moon. And I think that has something to do with the angle of it as it enters the curvature and it, it creates an illusion of uh, the crescent or whatever it is. But like, let's just sit, talk about the moon real quick. When you look at the moon in the daytime, if you can see it visible during the daytime, those craters are blue inside of them. And then at nighttime, the craters are black inside of them. There's a lot of theories that the moon is actually like translucent that you can see through it. And there's images of a star through a crescent. And if you just look at like your, your emojis of all the different countries' flags, there's like 20 to 30 flags out there that have with a star directly in it. And also talking about like symbolism, the United Nations flag is a flat earth map divided into 33 sections. There's literally 33 sections in it and it's a flat earth map and that's the united nations flag um speaking about like perspective again no matter how high you travel the horizon always is at the same like eyesight and stuff so if we lived on a curve the higher you would go the horizon would eventually bend and and kind of fall out of sight and stuff but because the earth is a plane the higher you travel, it just it just rises to no matter how high you are. So there's videos of, of a couple thousand miles up and no matter what, it's always perfectly flat. And also these videos are not from NASA or SpaceX or whatever. They're not using a GoPro. They're not using a fish eye lens. Not using CGI ed editing, which we could get into the CGI aspect of things as well during the conversation. But yeah, there's a lot. Realistically, Every aspect of researching flat Earth proves that we don't live on a heliocentric model, a spinning ball and stuff, whether it's gravity, curvature, water, like even getting back to water real quick, sea level is what it's called. Water, water is an instrument to find the level. Anybody who has a trade skill, construction, whatever it is, you use a level to make sure that everything's level. Level is water and air and stuff. Water always finds its level. So if Earth is 70, 80% covered in water, where the fuck is the curvature? Sorry for my language. Where is the curvature and <laughs> stuff? It's perfect. Water doesn't curve. Um, and yeah, so there's all these different aspects of it, even from a, for people who are more on the spiritual with astrology and cosmology and so on and so forth. Astrology is extremely real. But it's understanding it that like those 12 energies, you know, the zodiac signs and stuff, those are just the local stars, the local planets, the local energy that's directly on us. And if we were really traveling through space, like I said earlier, there would be all different types of like zodiac type signs, but it's always the same signs. And when you really get deep into astrology and numerology and all those different like characteristics of us. And stuff it's the same thing over and over and over and stuff and yeah all the people were a little bit different from each other because you would have to be born on the same place at the same time type of deal to be like a very similar energy i personally know people born on the same day as me some of them the same year some of them different years and i'm always blown away like 
well, it's kind of crazy that we have a very similar mindset. Two of these individuals that I'm very close with accounts that are similar to mine, very large accounts and stuff and speak in a very same, similar manner as me and stuff. And I'm just like, it makes sense. Like we're born the same time. We might have a different moon or, or different, you know, Jupiter or whatever it is, because we were born in two different locations. But even from an astrology perspective, it makes a lot of sense. And I bring up the astrology aspect of things because I think it was like JP Morgan said that millionaires, you know, focus on uh, whatever it is and billionaires focus on astrology and stuff. Because when you really dive into everything, it's all energy, it's all vibration and frequencies. And it gets into like, like I was mentioning with gravity and how gravity or what gravity is or isn't and stuff that when you understand electric magnetic, I can't say electric magnetic, I can't say it for some reason. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, it shows that, like, yeah, it's all based on frequency, vibrations, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know what else. What where I went on a tangent there. I love your tangents, and also you can swear as much as you want, so apology rejected. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before of, like, yeah, if we are hurtling through deep space, then why are we taking all of our stars with us? How come it's not a new sky yeah. every night well they um, say like the galaxy is traveling essentially like we're within the galaxy and the galaxy is also traveling and that our galaxy can can meet up or whatever collide with another galaxy and stuff but like a one-year time lapse of the stars completely debunks that it shows the same constellations over and over and over in a perfect circle they're not all disconformed and stuff right uh, so I heard you say we don't actually live in a heliocentric universe. As I understand it, a heliocentric universe is the sun is in the center. We're all moving around it. Yeah. I'd love for you to unpack that. And I don't know if this is related. I'm guessing it isn't. But this morning I was outside, you know, getting that early sunlight. And I just thought it feels like a distortion that we're not allowed to look at the sun or we're going to hurt ourselves. Like, for, I just don't understand how it could be like a kind and loving world if the primary star that gives us life is something that will harm us if we look yeah. directly at it. I mean, I, I guess in the early morning, like you were saying, what people call sun gazing and stuff, like it's different because of the angle that we're looking at it and the direct rays. It's not as like harmful, but I do know people do sun gaze and stuff. But if you do, I don't know. It's like I've never sun gazed consistently like like people who are actually sun gazers and stuff. So it's hard for me to say because I'm sure you could build up strength in your eyes and a tolerance and everything for that. I know about sun gazing early morning and in the late sun when it's at a certain elevation, essentially. So you're not getting those direct sun eyes, but. I agree with what you're saying or what you're alluding to. It's like, it's extremely beneficial for you and stuff. It's also funny when people say like astrology is bullshit, but I'm just like, you, you need the sun, right? Like you feel that sun's energy when it's on your skin, when you feel it, like, is that an illusion? Is that bullshit? Because that sun is an energy that you are feeling and astrology is just putting a description towards that for you to understand on your like individual life path on this planet and stuff. Even with the moon, people will say like, you know, the moon is a lunar body or uh, and stuff. And just for all the, like the science heads out there and stuff, or if you have kids and you want to do this experiment, even for yourself, get a thermometer, a laser thermometer and measure the moonlight, the temperature of the light of the moon. If you're doing it like on a sidewalk or on a tree or wherever you are in your yard, 
measure the moonlight, the temperature of it, and then measure the temperature of the shadow of the moon. So the moonlight isn't hitting. And you'll find that the moonlight is colder than the shadow of the night. And we're always taught that, A, the moon reflects light from the sun, which would mean it would be a warmth light. And two, we're kind of always told that light, like the light spectrum is always warmth. But there's another aspect to it where it's cold. It's like the lunar aspect of it. Uh, it's like it gets into like there's a positive and a negative as above so below there's there's uh there's um what's it called uh one of my favorite things to say and now i'm forgetting um polarities and everything and every aspect of life and stuff so if there's a warmth there's a cold and stuff and the lunar moon in astrology represents our emotion side and stuff and it starts to really make sense when you look at that as well and i'll just say real quick there's not a, like a lot of information on this, or at least that I'm not aware of, but the Aztecs and Mayans and other civilizations on the moon being portals to get out of Earth and stuff that you can actually travel through them. And that it it's hard to understand and grasp that because of our programming and what we know and what we're able to experience. But like I said, there's a lot of information that shows that the moon isn't an actual physical thing. Nobody landed on the moon. They're not even capable of going that far, that high and stuff. That was all CGI and done probably in a Olympic sized water pool. And I think it's I think it's Houston, Texas, where their training uh, NASA's training facility is for um, their their space station. And all of the training, all of the video imaging is in a like a huge pool that they have. And this is another funny thing for people to research is bubbles in space. One of my personal friends kind of exposed this to Scott Kelly, the, the astronaut, and he gets on the mic in front of a large audience and stuff. And he, he, he coaxed them into it, kind of like just kind of giving them acknowledgement of like his accomplishments, essentially. And then he goes, but I have a question. Why are there bubbles in space? And if you're curious about this, you can literally find original footage, all original footage of literally air bubbles traveling past the astronaut's head or whatever it is. And it's like if you're in space, if you're in vacuum and you had to travel out of this atmosphere to even get out there, there would be no oxygen left like on the outside. There's no oxygen in space. It's completely like opposite of that in a, in a vacuum. And stuff. So it, it leads into the whole, all of their training facilities are underground or, or in underwater um, facilities. And it's just water bubbles coming up and then they try to edit it out. And if you guys ever look at like all the live footage of everything, you can see that it's a green screen, kind of like how you have your green screen. You can see sometimes you go in and out of it and whatnot. Look at all the footage of when they're supposedly in the space station and stuff. It looks very similar to like how your background and how you interact with it. You can even see little lines and cords pulling on their pants or pulling on their shirt and stuff. There's footages of other astronauts even grabbing onto a, a harness and stuff. There's so many different aspects of it that's complete bullshit. I actually, uh, what's his name? Elon Musk. Like, I'm not, I'm, I don't hate him. I don't love him. I, I see the psyop in him. I see the transhumanism and all that crap. But I also see that like he, he is about more freedom of speech and so on and so forth. But I also think like he suppresses a lot of information and technology as well with Tesla. 
but he sent that Tesla Roadster car out into space a couple of years ago. And everybody believes that this car is just floating in outer space, that it's like coming up on Mars or maybe it passed Mars now or whatever it is. But there was literally footage, and I'm sure it's still out there if you look for it. While they were showing it on TV of this car so-called traveling in space, the green screen glitched and you could see all the computer monitors, massive like screens behind it, the car on like a mechanism holding it at an angle with like an astronaut, a fake person sitting in it and stuff. And that that like they they corrected that really fast, ended the live feed or whatever it was and, and then put it back out there and stuff. But to this day, people legitimately think that Elon Musk sent a Tesla Roadster out into outer space. And it's just, it was all done in the CGI studio. So Brett, what, is, Brett, huh, what were you going to say? What is NASA? Like, what is, what are they actually doing there? If, if they're not doing what they're claiming we're doing, they're doing. Yeah. The, their budget is like $53 million a day is something crazy like that is how much money is funded to them. So A, they're stealing taxpayer money. Imagine $53 million being invested into roads, schools, firefighters, police officers, you know, helping people rehab and drugs, whatever, all the different aspects to our society and stuff. That's a lot of money that could be reinvested into America. And a lot of people are seeing it now more than ever is how much money we give to foreign aid. But then like there's a, a quote unquote wildfire in Maui and stuff and they get no help. I think they were given like seven hundred dollars and and pretty much told that you're not going to get this land back and and all that stuff for the people who know what's up. They know what's up, what's going on in Maui and stuff. So it's, it's stealing money. It gets into distracting people from source, from creation, from that that higher understanding and power of who we are, what our capabilities are. And um, it gets mindset of like you know if this is all you're told exists like this sphere and stuff and this is all that there is it's a lot easier in my opinion to control people especially on like a subconscious level of them not wanting to explore because i do think it's in our nature to want to like explore and just be free and and go on trips and wander and whatever it is and stuff but if we're told that all there is is this it kind of we kind of lose that aspect of us of like actually wanting to go explore and stuff. But if we're on a plane and that plane is possibly endless and there's multiple like what people call dimensions or other planes, other realms outside of our realm, then it, it sparks a lot of curiosity. It'd be a lot harder to get people to conform to fighting endless wars, to working in nine to five, you know, the whole capitalistic aspect of things or even socialistic and all the different government institutions out there. I think it would it would make people feel very, very free, uh, willing to like just, you know, live different lifestyles than what we're told of, you know, paying, you know, pretty much paying to live on a planet, essentially, is how our life is like orchestrated. And the funny thing is, like, again, that gets back into the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, JP Morgans and all these families who created all of these different institutions to govern ourselves and stuff. It's it's. It's crazy with Americans because I'm a proud American as well. But like, I think we forget or we've, we've been manipulated from like why we left Britain in the first place. We wanted freedom. We didn't want government. We didn't want like religious control over us. And somehow, some way over all these years, 
we're all we're back under the same institutions and why we fled from that country as well. And for all the patriots out there, there was a time where when politicians raised our taxes by one or two percent and we tarred and feathered fucking politicians. Now they're stealing billions of dollars, sending our kids to war, killing our kids, killing holistic, holistic, uh, uh, what's it called? Naturopathic medicine, holistic healers, literally targeting civilians, killing whistleblowers, speaking people speaking out. They're literally targeting American people, dividing us and killing us. And everybody, all the patriots are just, you know, taking down a Bud Light or whatever the new beer is that they drink. And, you know, they have their guns, whatever it is, but they're not actually doing anything to, to get our country back or to, to be a, pa- a proud patriot of what, like, let's just say our founding fathers, you know, created for us. And there's a lot of conflicting information or different information. We could talk about them, but that's a separate conversation. But for the patriots, like, we need to get our country back. We need to realize, like, we're being taken over. Our, con- our government is lying and manipulating us. NASA is a huge part of this and stuff. You know, when one was in the 60s, you know, all of these older patriots now, they were so proud of their country when we were told that we went to the moon. And I understand why. That would be an amazing accomplishment and stuff. But it was all a fucking lie. And it was like supposedly a race to beat Russia and all this other stuff. When I think realistically, they were just investing that money into private institutions to spy on people, to manipulate information for like a black budget or what people call aliens and UFOs to invest into those type of technologies. Cause that's a whole nother like conversation too. It's like UFOs. People are like, well, what is it? I'm like, we always have had the technology and the understanding to create more momentum than there is mass. And that's essentially what a UFO is. Is it's able to create enough momentum, more momentum to where it can do whatever it wants and stuff. And it doesn't have to travel in a linear perspective. There's examples of this with ones like people with helicopters and their helicopter is so overly powered that this helicopter just flies like stupid, like extremely crazy, which would look like a UFO essentially if it was in a different shell and a lot bigger and stuff. And it gets into magnetic energy if you if you freeze metals certain metals certain conductors to a couple hundred degrees below celsius it creates a magnetic field and with that it's essentially an mri machine is what that is and if you create a magnetic field like that and you have opposing magnets the amount of power that magnets create it totally outweighs any kind of like combustion engine this gets into cern and all these different you know military projects and stuff so what ufos are if they're not they're only unidentified is just because they don't want to tell us what it actually is but if you look at it with your own eye you see the footage of it and stuff out there it's just black budgeted military you know organizations essentially that have that technology some people might say that it's aliens from other realms, other dimensions, other places from our planet, essentially our plane, which is totally plausible too. And so I, I don't know, I've never sat down and talked to an alien. All I know is the people who have like sat down and talked to aliens, they never disclose who they talk to, when it happened, where they were. It's always, you have to take it on their good faith and just believe in them that they experience this extraterrestrial thing. So think a lot of that's like a psyop and and whatnot as well that gets into like Corey good and all these other individuals 
and stuff who I don't think are trustworthy sources of information. tuning in to part one of my conversation with Ryan DeSoma. Part two is available for my supporters on both Patreon and Locals. Uh, either one of those platforms is going to get you access to the second half of this conversation with Ryan, as well as all of my second half conversations, plus bonus content, advance notice of events, workshops, whatnot, special discounts. It's totally worth it. It's less than one matcha a month to access all of this amazing content and bonus materials. So meet me over at Patreon and or Locals, links in the show description, and we'll see you over there for part two. You don't want to miss the second half of this conversation. It's even better than the first half. And for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.